Well, thank you, Mr. McNair, and thank all of you for that, uh, that warm applause. It's uh, certainly an honor to be able to be here with you. It's something I've been looking forward to since being asked. Mr. McNair uh, asked me to do this, and uh, quite uh, frankly, I was surprised it held up. I thought Dr. Scott Winnell and Mr. Frank and Dr. Winnell would uh, talk him out of it, but uh, it has held up, and it's good to be here with you and welcome uh, greetings to all those that I haven't uh, spoken to. I've met, uh, spoke to some of you, and uh, good to see you. Uh, but and few met a couple, but uh, look forward to seeing uh, others maybe afterwards. But it's I won't I won't uh, mislead you. I've been a bit anxious about this opportunity to come and address such a wonderful group, such a special group to the entire church here, Living Education in Charlotte. All of you have been committed this to this for uh, almost a year now, and it's amazing how time is moving on. Passover is just about on us, and uh, just maybe three weeks after that uh, will be the end of, uh, of the semester and the, the school year. So time is certainly moving on. I will share that I am just down the road uh, from you. Greenville, South Carolina is where I live, and I pastor six congregations. And I could give you those how they started chronologically because I was there at the inaugural service of, of each of them. And uh, June 1964, Asheville, North Carolina began, and uh, that's a congregation of about 31 individuals now. After that, uh, in June 1968, the Anderson, South Carolina congregation began. There's a 57 averaging this year so far in that congregation. Uh, then began the uh, Brazelton, Georgia congregation in June of uh, 2010. June's a popular month to begin congregations, I noticed. But uh, we have about 56 on average uh, attending so far this year in, in Brazelton. And then we started the Silva, North Carolina congregation, which took half of the Asheville congregation, had 42 people potentially uh, attend uh, in that area, but we cut it 21 and 21 to start a new congregation. And now they're uh, like 33 and 31 or 32 average. So both have grown to kind of compensate for splitting uh, apart but uh, and starting the new one. But we began February 2015, I think, in, in Silva. And then we started an Augusta, Georgia congregation in December 2017, and uh, we have about 18 or so attending there, and then this past June, almost a year away now, it's hard to imagine, but June 2nd of 2018, we began the Columbia congregation, Columbia, South Carolina congregation. There's about 15, 18 uh, regular attendees there, so two Georgia, two South Carolina, two North Carolina congregations, and what a what a privilege and, and delight it is to be able to go to those. They're situated that thankfully I'm able to do two each Sabbath, a 10.30 a.m. and a, a 2.30 p.m. Uh, Judith has experienced those morning services and uh, the afternoon as well, uh, being down in our area. So uh, it, it is certainly, uh, again, one of the many privileges that God's church does offer to us. But again, you have been part of a, a tremendously important program here for nearly a year, and God is certainly generous with each of us to be able to provide the things, the tools, the training that we need to be able to, to be used in his work and in his church. And you here, all of you have been learning the true values of restoring those true values that God wants us to be prepared to restore when Christ does 
return to this earth and set up his kingdom. And we are able to understand God's plan, his purpose for that plan, that the the Father's throne is ultimately going to be here on this earth. We look that far out in, in the future of God sharing that with us. But for that to be possible, we know that billions of human beings must come up and be taught his way of life. And for them to have the opportunity to become our younger brothers and sisters, again, billions of individuals, that made possible by the (coughs) millennium, a thousand years of preparing the earth for that event to take place. And, And the millennium being possible by putting away our adversary who who has brought all this chaos and confusion onto this world, and that made possible by the return of Jesus Christ uh, prior to that. So looking at it and coming back this direction, that brings us back to where we are right now in this age, this time when we are learning God's way of life. And he is offering a small few an opportunity to train for service in his kingdom. Revelation 2 and 3, we won't turn there, but certainly Jesus Christ says, to those who overcome, to those of us who are called out of this world and given God's spirit able to overcome that adversary who is a a powerful being, we're warned about his power and his tactics. But God living in us is much more powerful. Jesus Christ living in us and the power of God's Holy Spirit is is way more powerful than, than any other created being or any other force in the universe. The creator of it all is able to give us the strength to overcome uh, things. So we overcome him. We overcome this world and, and its influence on us. We have to fight. And our own human nature, as we know, we fight. So Christ said to he who overcomes... I will grant to sit with me on my throne as I overcame and sit with my father on his throne. So a tremendous encouragement that we are given. And we are at times in some intense training in this life, in in this physical life that God has called us to. We're proving his way of life by living it. We're proving it uh, out of his word and then living that way and proving it all the more and holding fast to it, being faithful to that way of life and enduring to the end. That endurance requires effort uh, on our part as well. So I'm sure all of you who have been a part of of living education have gained a, a more clear view and understanding and focus of what we have been called to. And it's more real to you after this year that you have been studying and looking into God's way of life. And we can see that God has work for us to do. God has a job that he wants us to be able to to take care of. He is going to employ us. He's going to put us to work. But only if we're ready. It's only if we're ready that he will be able to use us. I will share with you a personal background that I had. I was 38 years I was in the car business in the automobile dealership environment. I worked at two places in those 38 years, a Ford dealer initially when I was young, and then I moved to a BMW dealership in 1980 and was there for 30 years. During that time, I was uh, the manager of the service department, the director of parts and service, and uh, for most of that time. And our owner, when I went there in August 80, 1980, 
he had chosen to support the United Way. I know many of you have heard of the United Way with advertising and maybe seeing uh, some of the programs that they have. Uh, a lot of good support that they offer. They, they support some things that we wouldn't normally support, but uh, the company decided to, to pull uh, funds, donations from the employees and give to the United Way. And one year I was asked to be on the committee to, to help uh, you know, encourage the, the employees to participate in it. And in that committee, they took us out to some facilities that were supported by United Way. And one of them in Greenville, South Carolina, was the Meyer Center. It was a center that worked with handicapped children. And uh, we were touring with a lady. She was showing us the facility. And we walked into a classroom really about this size. And, and back in the, the back corner was a lady working with a, 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 an 11-year-old young man. I have an 11-year-old grandson, so can sort of relate to what was happening there. But she said he is currently, he is a new student. He's currently unable to really communicate with us. He can't button his own shirt. He can't tie his own shoes. He can't even go to the restroom by himself. And his parents have tried to work with him, but they just don't understand the base, the the core, the foundational issue of what is going on, but uh, we're we're working with him and a, a number of other students in the same situation that were there. So we went on and we stopped at a point, and she asked if we had any questions, and I said that 11-year-old young man that was in the room, I said, are you able to help him? Are you able to? to help him progress and to be able to do some of those things that uh, he can't do currently. And she said, oh, yes, oh, yes. Said in, in a matter of time, he'll be doing all those things we discussed that we were talking about. She said, but we can't do anything for him until we have teachers to teach him. And that's where you come in. And that's, that was her statement that I recall. That's where you come in. And she was talking to us as business uh, representatives there that we were there to support their program of being able to help these individuals. So ladies and gentlemen, I propose to you that that is where you come in to this whole plan and purpose that God has for us. Now, that same statement, to borrow her words, that is where you, that is where we, all of us in God's church come in. You here at, at Living University, and again, all of us are part of God's church. We're being trained in those true values to be able to help the severely handicapped of this world, the, the handicapped physically, the handicapped emotionally, mentally handicapped, and certainly the spiritually handicapped individuals of this world that uh, we see all around us. We are able actually to help to some degree. We're not trying to save the world, but if God calls an individual into the church, we can give them the hope that, uh, that God offers to us. We can share it with them. But ultimately, we are preparing for a time when we will straighten all the issues out with, uh, under the leadership of, of Jesus Christ on a large scale. We're only able to do limited things now with our, our help and our uh, efforts. If you'll turn with me to 1 Peter 1, we'll look at a few scriptures to help us to see the, what God has called us to. 
an opportunity that has been offered for us to get in on the ground floor, to be first fruits in his family and in his kingdom. And this opportunity should be stirring us all up, young and old. All of us in, in God's church should be something that we're really taking very seriously and growing in all aspects of what he is offering to us. Matthew 13 calls it in the parable there a pearl of, of great price. And it mentions in that parable that the merchants had to sell uh, a number of his, all his possessions to go and purchase that pearl of great price. So it took sacrifice on his part. And I know it's taken sacrifice for many of you have had to sacrifice in various ways to be able to be here, to spend this year in learning what uh, and studying here at headquarters under the leadership of, of, of the the staff, the faculty, the, the individuals working with you and, and the church here at headquarters at large. So you've had to make sacrifices, but that pearl is of great price and you've seen that price. You have understood the value of it and been willing to make those sacrifices. Peter encourages us in that direction here in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 13 through 21, we could read, but he says, therefore, gird up the loins of your mind. Again, this is a very serious calling. I think clearly more than any other time in, in, in church history and in our personal history, it is time for us to lace up our, our boots tight. It's time for us to roll up our sleeves and be ready to, to get to work because time is growing short. And gird up the loins of our mind, as Peter uh, worded it here. Be sober and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ, when we will really start effectively taking control of these problems, again, under the rule of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lusts as in your ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, because it is written, Be holy, for I am holy. And if you call on the Father who without partiality judges according to each one's work. Remember that. Uh, he judges according to each, one, each one's work. And that's what we'll be focusing on here as we get on into this message here uh, in the next uh, few moments. And God judges without partiality. He is not looking partially at some and said, I, you know, they haven't been working very hard, but I'm going to put them in this uh, choice spot and, and give it to them. It will all be equally looked at, and, and we will be given responsibility based on our effort to prepare for those responsibilities. According to each one's work, conduct yourselves throughout the time of your stay here in fear and in reverence and just in awe of what God is doing, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct to be received or conduct received by tradition from your fathers. Again, we weren't uh, brought out of this world through any financial uh, dealings uh, that were made possible at all, but Verse 19, but by the precious blood of Christ is the only one who brought us out of the bondage of this world into the knowledge of what he is doing to share that with us. The precious blood of Christ as of a, a lamb without blemish and without spot. 
He indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last days for you, who through him believe in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and your hope are in God. So Jesus Christ blazed this trail for us. He has gone before us. He went first. And he will be filling those positions in his kingdom when he, his government is set up on this earth. He will be filling those positions. And it's something to be thinking about and preparing for. If you look at, we won't turn there, but Matthew 6.10, you see the passion and the enthusiasm of Jesus Christ for that kingdom to come. He prayed to the Father that thy will be done, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It was something very important. Turn to Psalm 84 with me, if you would. Look at just uh, some powerful examples of that zeal and enthusiasm and, and desire and passion for God's kingdom to come and for us to be in that work environment is what we want to prepare for. That is the ultimate job that we, we want to have. It's going to be difficult at first when Christ returns and, and beginning the process of straightening the problems out in this world, but there will be no better place to work. It will be just, the again, the, the perfect preparation is being made for us to be able to be there, to be a part of it. And David understood that, and he looked forward to it. He was uh, looking very much forward to that atmosphere of of filling the job that God had for him to fill. Chapter 48 of Psalm 1 and 2 says, How lovely is your tabernacle, O Lord of hosts! My soul longs, yes, even faints for the courts of the Lord, the eternal. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Just like Christ, David prayed, Thy kingdom come. He cried out with, with enthusiasm for that to take place. Verses 10 through 12 he goes on, for a day in your courts is better than a thousand. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will, be with, will he withhold for those who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the man who trusts in you. Again, David's desire, his passion. Let's look at Paul's in Philippians chapter 3. Just one more expression of, of what we are called to, to give us an example of the, the tremendous desire that we too need to have for, for God's kingdom to come. And again, the opportunities that we will have to be able to be there. Just, again, the, the perfect job. I have a nephew, Tristan, who went to the College of Charleston, just graduated, but he is a fishing nut. He just fishes, every, goes fishing every chance he gets, and that's the reason for College of Charleston, is he wanted to fish in these inlet uh, waterways, and, and he, uh, his dad was able to buy a boat, a small boat that he was able to maneuver through there. He sends pictures all the time of, of beautiful fish, and uh, he went into college as a, communi in a communications major, and, uh, but just before finishing, he landed a job with Shimano, 
and uh, they are one of the larger, most prestigious fishing tackle uh, equipment companies uh, in the world, and he is fishing the Gulf of Mexico, the Atlantic, he's in the Pacific, he's, he's just out of college, well, almost a year now, and just the perfect job, it, it landed right in his lap. He applied for it, was able to, to get it. He's doing research on, on reels and rods, you know, how, what size fish line and all that, so that may sound like a good job, but the one ahead of us is going to be just incredibly more, more powerful than anything we could imagine. And Paul, again, understood that. Verse 12 of Philippians 3, he says, Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Again, he got a glimpse of what had a glimpse in sharing with us the, the enthusiasm we should have as we look forward. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So it helps us through the difficult times to have this hope and this understanding of what God is, is preparing us to do. So hopefully we all have that same strong desire and can see and envision what is ahead and have a passion to be a part of it more than, than anything else. That should be what our focus is clearly uh, on and being developed in. Do we w really want to be a part? Do we express to God that we want to be a part of what he has in store? Do we not only just tell him that we want to be a part, but are we showing him that we want to be a part? And I... Uh, I do say that you are doing just that. You're here in this program. You have committed yourselves to it. You have been stuck with it and, and gained from it tremendously. And you're wanting to develop your talents so you can be a part of that very calling that God has given us just by virtue of being here and, and having the endurance that you have. God's word tells us that he calls the weak of the world, but he doesn't call us does he call us just to stay the way he called us just you know just as I am God you take me and use me in whatever way that you can or is God looking for skills is he looking for leadership qualities is he looking for that passion and that desire to serve again in being a manager at the BMW dealership the service director I I took, we, we started out in 1980, we had three BMW technicians, and when I went to work there, I couldn't spell BMW. I had never sat in one, had never driven one, but uh, was, became the, the manager and soon uh, you know, learned more about the, the vehicles. Uh, a quality car, I'm trying to get Dr. Winnell to replace my fleet car with a BMW, but no, nowhere yet uh, have I been able to progress. But, we, we had three technicians in one corner of the shop and in a matter of uh, a short time, we doubled it into six and we took over one side of the shop. We had Lincoln Mercury, BMW, Honda, and Saab, four car lines, and BMW was taking a, a portion of the shop, a uh, larger portion, and then we, we grew to 12 mechanics and we had to move to a, a private, uh, separate place that we had remodeled. And then when I left in, in October 
2010, just after the feast in October 2010, we had 26 BMW, exclusively BMW mechanics, and 45 people in total, counting the support people for the, the technicians. So in that buildup, I, I took a lot of applications, a lot of resumes. There were a lot of resumes that were turned into me of individuals wanting to come to work there. It was a, a prestigious car line. Greenville is a great city as far as cities go. Um, the facility we had was state of the art. It was the latest of everything that was available. Uh, BMW guided the development, the building of our, our dealership. And, and not only that, but the only plant in the United States was 15 minutes from us. So people from all over the country were wanting to come to work at our dealership. And uh, so I took a lot of resumes. People would bring resumes applications in with, uh, you know, shorts and a t-shirt and uh, flip-flops and, you know, not putting forth a very good impression to uh, someone they wanted to uh, go to work for. Others to apply for a mechanic's job had a coat and tie on, white shirt, look nice coming in to apply for that kind of job. So those, uh, you knew they wanted it bad and you knew they had an understanding of what was uh, appropriate. I had others bring uh, in applications, but I could tell pretty quick. It was back in the days when unemployment, if you were on unemployment, you had to go around and try to apply for a job. And these guys you could spot coming in from a quarter mile away. They would walk in you got a job I can have. They wouldn't look you in the eye, and they weren't uh, very professional at all. And uh, I would say, no, not not really. Well, could you sign this? And all they wanted was me to sign this uh, application so they could go continue their unemployment. Last thing in the world they wanted was a job, really. You could tell. And not to fear, the last thing in the world I would have done was offer them one. So it was a mutual kind of kind of thing that was there. But... Again, I, I received a lot of, of resumes, and uh, I'm sure a good number of you, a matter of fact, I was talking to Dr. Scott Winnell beforehand, and he gave uh, a, a message here about preparing a, a, an effective resume, he was telling me, uh, uh, in the past. So a lot of you have put together resumes to apply for a job. And on a resume, we know that you generally give some personal profile at the top, and then you start with your most recent uh, work experiences near the top, then your previous work experience, and it goes on down, and hopefully there's not 10 jobs in the last six months uh, that you've bounced around to, but uh, it, it goes in that kind of chronological order to, to show where you are, and uh, an individual's able to, to look at it and, and see your experience from that, that resume. It shows a, a pattern of growth in a particular field that you're, you have been in or interested in. And there should be evidence of, of work history there that uh, shows that progress. Training is also on there and how an individual has applied themselves and, uh, and to show they have the valuable training for a specific job that they're looking for. And you want it to display to the employers that you're bringing to the table exactly what they're looking for to, to fill a, a particular position. So a resume is, is an effective tool that we use uh, to apply for jobs. If you look up the, the word resume, the noun that describes this particular form, it is, um, the definition is a summing up. 
a brief written account of personal training, of education, of background, of qualifications, and relevant job experience. So again, your training is, is itemized there, is, is pointed out, is highlighted, your education, your background, qualifications, and again, job experience. I'd like to share with you uh, some comments that were brought or, or pulled from resumes. Someone online had put these together, just found some interesting statements, humorous statements, I will, uh, will say, from resumes that they found just uh, in jest or in light. I'll share these with you. But this was found on someone's resume that they turned in. It said applying for a job. It said married, eight children, prefer frequent travel. So you can uh, read right through that. Here's another one. Uh, they asked for references. This individual put Leanne K. Deceased, November 14th, 1997. I don't know uh, what they could offer. But these were supposedly found on resumes. Another one, uh, the person put, you will always find me to be an extremely trying person. <laughs> I don't think exactly what they, they meant there. One said, previous experience, self-employed, a fiasco. That's what they put. Another one under education, they put college, August 1880 to May 1984, 104 years of college. We have to be careful with rereading our resumes. Another one, seeks challenges to test my mind and body since the two are usually inseparable. One individual under language, uh, they put exposure to German for two years, but many words are inappropriate for business. <laughs> Another one under accomplishments, they put completed 11 years of high school. <laughs> Another one writes, thank you for your consideration. Hope to hear from you, Shorty. Another resume found a person wrote, it's best for employees that I not work with people. <laughs> Is there a request? Uh, another one, here are my qualifications for you to overlook. <laughs> and here's a real team player on their resume. They put, I am superior to anyone else you could hire. Well, they're trying to push just a little. And then one last one, an individual wrote, I'll starve without a job, but don't feel like you have to give me one. That's it. <laughs> Things are actually on resumes, uh, they say. Well, folks, it's, uh, there's another uh, article I'd like to refer to that uh, is in, it came from Forbes magazine under the section Daily Muse. Uh, it, it's a section of Forbes magazine that has articles. And this particular article I found interesting from the perspective of looking for a, a job as you leave here and start looking for work, but also it has some spiritual connection to us as well, some standards that are there that we might uh, consider spiritually and in, in what God is looking for uh, in, in us to develop. But the title of the article is Three Things That Will Get Your Resume Thrown in the Trash. That's the heading of this article, and they give three things, and again, I found them interesting. It says, what you might be doing that could cause recruiters to overlook your resume, or worse, toss it in the trash. Gasp, toss it in the trash. Number one is, you don't meet the basic requirements. 
So you're applying for a job, but you just don't meet the basic requirements of what they're looking for. They would have to start from the ground up with you, but they're looking for someone who has some experience uh, in, in job experience as a rule uh, many times. They, just one statement from that particular point, it says resumes just won't be considered if the basic skills aren't there. The second one they mention that would get your resume thrown in the trash is you're not a cultural fit. You're not a cultural fit. It says it's of utmost importance to recruiters to find a candidate who is a cultural fit as well as a skill set fit according to Thomas, who was uh, interviewed for this article. They love when a candidate gets it, and they'll toss your resume if you look like just someone looking for a job. So again, you're a cultural fit. You have the mindset to, to come in, and, and in looking at resumes, we tried to find, BMW had some high standards for technicians, and, and as well as the support people, the service advisors, the parts personnel, so we had to find someone that, you know, had some foundational in, uh, strengths that we could uh, develop in time, but there had to be a, the foundation there, so you're not a cultural fit. And then the third thing they say will get your resume thrown in the trash is you don't pay attention to detail. And when turning in a resume that says, I'll, I'll look to hear from you shorty, uh, instead of shortly, that's someone that was not very attentive to detail when they turned that particular resume in. And just that statement alone, it would go into file 13 many times. I had a thick drawer, of, uh, my lower left drawer was full of resumes, and I had to go back to them from time to time. Thankfully, we didn't have much turnover, but occasionally a retirement or expansion, that kind of thing. So that drawer was valuable to me, but there were a few that uh, I just tossed because I knew I didn't want them taking the space in there and I didn't want to waste time looking at it lately, later. But Luke 16, 18, we won't turn there, but related to that point, if we're faithful in small things, we'll be faithful in much, Christ tells us. So again, something that will cause it to be tossed is not paying attention to detail. So if God looked at our resume, at your resume, at my resume, would it get more than, than just a glance? Or would it get, as they said, gasp? Would it get tossed? Would it be thrown out because of just a total lack of focus on what is to be being developed by us, each of us? Would our resume starting in chronological order show that we are growing in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? Again, this course looks great on your resume. In this regard, it will look great on your resume for a, a physical job as well. But this shows a, a determination by each of you that you want to develop the skills, the talents, the abilities that God is looking for to be used in his, his kingdom. Would our resume show that we are growing in the stature and the fullness of Jesus Christ, a record of faithfulness, a record of dedication to his way of life? Or would our resume indicate on it that talents, that abilities, that opportunities that come along 
that were given have been buried in the ground. They just weren't utilized. The opportunity was there, but it didn't get followed up on. Would it reveal that we're actually growing in what God needs for us to be able to serve, to help, to teach, to rule, to reign? Would it show that we comprehend the gravity of this awesome calling that we have been given? Or would it reveal some neglect in those opportunities that are there? Would it provide the clear evidence of our desire, of our passion to be a part of it, just like we saw with Jesus Christ's example, the example of David, the example of Paul, and I'll add the example of, of Dr. Meredith. He came to a service at our spring weekend a few years back, was giving the sermon, and, and I'll just never forget the sermon, but he made the statement that I want God's kingdom so badly I can taste it was the statement that, that he used, and that gives you his level of desire and passion for God's uh, kingdom as, as well. The world can't be taught until it has teachers to teach it. Jesus Christ didn't begin his New Testament church until he had trained 12 disciples for three and a half years to become apostles who in turn trained evangelists, ordained evangelists and pastors and elders and deacons and deaconesses and worked with the congregation to, to teach them and train them and to, to bring them up again in preparation for what we are discussing here. We must learn God's true way of life, learn to properly administer the government of God to be able to teach it to others. It's something that we must be learning here today. Well, I wanted to give five things that we can do in looking at our resume to make it, to work on it, to develop it so that it does, uh, is able to really get a, a positive look from, from God. And I'll just mention them. I don't have time to go into any detail. But it said, well, the first one I'd like to provide Two years, will our resume show a history of being engaged in the church and the work of God? Will it show, again, this program that you're a part of is important. Attendance at weekly services at the, on the holy days, at activities, those are things that go on our resume to show that we are fully engaged in God's work and his church. In dating and marrying within the church, is that our, our pattern to show we are engaged in what God has, has called us to? In his work, are we faithfully paying our tithes and giving offerings and serving and helping in any way that we can uh, to show that we are a part of it? John 4, 34, we won't turn there, but Jesus Christ says that my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish the work. That was his involvement. That was his focus that is on the World Ahead update each week that it comes out, the mission of the living church of God, it, it is there. Matthew 28, as that, that chapter concludes, showing the commission that Jesus Christ has given us. It's an interim job that we have in the body of Christ now to be a part of preaching the gospel, a warning message to this world and, and the hope of, of the future. 
Revelation 3, verses 7 through 13, won't turn there, but again, the, the standards that show we are fully engaged in the Philadelphian era of God's work with, with fervent desire, we're a part of it, rather than that following group that is neglecting that calling and, and letting the importance slip. So hopefully it shows our resume is developing a clear history, a clear history of being engaged in God's work in church. A second one, our resume must reveal knowledge of and faithfulness to God's laws, his commandments and his laws. If we want to enter into life, we must keep his commandments. I had reference to Hebrews 5. We pastors are used to speaking for an hour and 15 minutes, and sometimes it can get uh, a little more information than we have time for. So I'll just refer you to the end of Hebrews 5 and the beginning of, of chapter 6, where we're to go on to perfection. We're to be growing in the understanding, a prerequisite of, of being a part of God's government, of his, his family. And as we keep God's commandments, we prove them, we live them, then we develop his mind his character, his wisdom, his very nature we're able to develop, and we will be growing. 1 John 2, verses 3 through 6 tells us that if you say you love God and you don't keep his commandments, you're a liar and the truth isn't in you or in, in me. And I occasionally had a resume that looked pretty impressive, and I would call the previous employer or the current employer if the uh, the applicant uh, okayed me to call his current employer, and I say, he, he says he has this particular experience, and he is, has the experience in this particular area, and they said, mm, don't think so. He's not capable of doing those things. So, again, he's given me some false information that, uh, I, that had I not checked up on, uh, would have likely or possibly hired him, but his resume was tossed. And again, if we say we're doing one thing, God knows us. We can't put something on a resume that he is uh, unaware of. He knows us to the slightest detail, as we'll see in a moment. Another element on our resume is that we are growing in the fruits of God's Holy Spirit. Galatians 5, as we look at that chapter and see the, the works of the flesh, less and less of those are there as our resume is being developed, but more and more of the fruits of God's Holy Spirit and deeper, deeper uh, significance of each of those is growing in us uh, more and more as we, we do go on. A fourth item that can be looked at on our resume is a uh, evidence of a record of endurance. Endurance. When the going gets tough, the tough get going. When conditions or progress becomes difficult, then the strong and the determined people work even harder to succeed, looking to God for help to be able to press through those obstacles and to get through those barriers over those hurdles. James 1, verses 2 through 4, uh, is a, a scripture relating to that particular point. And then one last one is one final character trait that I, I would like to mention that must clearly be genuine as we examine ourselves and as we look at how we're developing our resume. 
It must be consistent. It must be developing in us as an individual. Proverbs 3, we didn't turn there, but it says if we will keep God's law, we will find favor in both God and man. And keeping God's commandments, I can assure you that that is the kind of thing God says he, uh, that impresses him if we keep his commandments and this other attribute as well. But it also will impress human employers when they find an individual that is dependable, trustworthy, that is living the way of life that we are being taught. We, I'll share with you, we have an unfair advantage over the work field out there in knowing God's way of life. Don't ever, please don't ever consider that the Sabbath is a, a handicap in any way, that the holy days are a handicap. When I went to work at this BMW dealer, it was in August, uh, I was interviewing at the job, just happened to come open then, and I, they said, you know, the job is yours, and I said, uh, okay, well, great. I said, I can work about uh, three weeks, and I need to be off a day for the Feast of Trumpets. Okay, and then I'll work another week, and I need to be off seven days. And this was within a month of going to work there. And they said, okay, not a problem. Uh, it, it all worked out, and from then on had that established. But again, what we bring to the table to an employer it will weigh more than compensate for anything that some feel. It, it hurts me for brethren to feel like that's a, a disadvantage for them that uh, work, not working on the Sabbath prevents us from getting a job. Not only do we have, are we trained in the things that an employer, a company needs, but uh, we have God's blessings. He can open doors that we could never open ourselves. So just, just uh, being faithful in that. But going on to this particular point, again, we'll find favor in, in God and man if we keep his commandments and also do have this other trait as well a trait that any employer cherishes and will put tremendous confidence in you if you have this particular trait as you bring a, a positive atmosphere to the workplace and add stability to the human relations that are there in the work environment you will become invaluable the employer may even even tell you I don't know what you have but I wish I could bottle it and sell it they don't recognize it because it's not human, it's not carnal, it's not of the flesh. It is from God's Holy Spirit that is in you that is able to have it. And that character trait that we must have in common with our Savior is humility. Humility and success on the job. I thought you'd get in and, and just shove people out of the way, you know, connive to try to get in front of the other guy. No, there's a power in humility. If we do the right thing and, and work with the other employees, and again, it'll, God will open up the opportunities for us if we will have the attitude of humility. Should be a consistent, maybe at first on that resume, it doesn't stand out as one of your major points, but as that resume continues to be built, and by the time it gets up to the more current uh, description of you humility should be a, a character trait that is there i won't share with you Psalm, or philippians 2 verses 3 through 16 of talking about christ giving an example of of how he encourages us not to, through paul 
not to do anything out of selfish ambition or conceit, but with lowliness of mind to esteem others better than ourselves and to not look out only for our own interests, but for the interests of others. And as verse 5 says, to let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, and to go on to show what Christ was willing to do to give up being God. You know, I'm, I just had a, a rear-end collision. My back is hurting a little bit. Just got over bronchitis earlier in the year. I'm ready to give up this flesh and go on to what God is offering to us, eternal life. Well, Christ was willing to give up being God, to come and live in the flesh and to go through what he went through. A tremendous example of humility for us. Let's turn to Matthew 25 and, and try to close out here. Matthew chapter 25, how will God judge our record, our resume, if you will? What will the summary of our life be with the opportunities that we are given when we come to account for the things that he has offered to us, that he has put in front of us to be able to take advantage of? Again, will our creator who will put people in those positions. Will he be able to use us or will he have to toss it and to replace us with someone else who has put the effort into the opportunity that is provided? Chapter 25, we know verses 1, uh, this uh, parable of the ten virgins, five wise, five foolish, five were preparing, five were, were moving forward and and doing what they needed to do. They had their lamps full. Then there were five that were neglecting the opportunities that they had and let their lamps get, get low. Skipping down to verse 11, it says, Afterward, the other virgins came also after they had gone away to try to make up for the time that they had wasted and to gain the resource that they needed and come back. Uh, it says, uh, The virgins came also saying, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Assuredly, I say to you, I do not know you. Again, that resume is, is one that is, is tossed. Don't know you. Skipping down to verse 14, For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. We have each been given tremendous opportunities. I hope we recognize them when they come along and we, will be, we grab hold of them. And, uh, and move forward. Skipping down to verse 19, after a long time he returns to those servants and came and settled accounts with them. So he who received five talents came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I have gained five more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful, faithful over a few things, I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. That is what we want to see the response of our life's record, our, the summary of what we have done with what God has given us. That is what we want to see. Finally, Malachi chapter 3, just turning back uh, a little bit to the last book of the Old Testament. I would like to say there's a, a precedent of the, this analogy of the resume being recorded and being kept. God is aware of, of our summary of, of our life to the 
greatest detail. Uh, again, he is familiar with our personal training, with our record of qualifications, with our job, relevant job experience. Uh, a large part of what he is looking for is, is here in, uh, recorded here in, in Malachi chapter 3, verse 16. One of the key elements is how we treat each other. He's looking at that. He wants a work environment where his children are going to be, uh, again, cooperating with each other, certainly following the leadership of Christ, but, but showing that respect and honor to each other. And what we're doing now is, is very important in how he looks at that, how we encourage each other, especially in stressful times. We all go through various times that are very stressful, and we need to kick up the encouragement to our, our fellow uh, brethren and, and members of the church, those who are part of the church. Verse 16, Malachi 3, says, Then those who feared the eternal spoke to one another, and the Lord listened and heard them. So a book of remembrance was written before him for those who fear the Lord and who meditate on his name. They shall be mine, says the Lord of hosts, on the day that I make them my jewels, and I will spare them as a man spares his own son who serves him. Then you shall again discern between the righteous and the wicked, between the one who serves God and the one who does not serve him. So I think there's a precedent there that shows a record is being kept of, of what we're doing, and it's in, in great detail. So I would just continue to encourage us to, to continue with the passion and the desire that you are displaying by being here for learning God's way of life and preparing for what he has in store for us, what he's making available to us. Don't neglect the calling and the opportunities and require God to put someone else in the spots that he is making available to us. Keep taking advantage of, of daily opportunities that, that you're given because they prepare us for those responsibilities ahead. God is guiding us. If we put ourselves, as we yield, we surrender, we submit to him, he will provide the opportunities we need to grow in ways that we, he's looking at us and training us individually and teaching us through things that we need individually. So with involvement in the, the church and work, with faithfulness to his laws and commandments, with growing in his Holy Spirit, with endurance, and with humility, as this valuable chapter of, of your life uh, comes to a conclusion here in just a few weeks, then you'll be able to continue on diligently preparing a resume for God's kingdom. Thank you all very much for your attention and your time and this opportunity to, to be here with you.